Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. Are you a woman who's ready to excel in her career and her life? Are you ready to be a professional saleswoman by using your inherent qualities? Are you a woman who wants to be better prepared for a leadership position? Then you're in the right place. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman. It's about women in business, work-life balance, leadership, and current events related to gender communications. Be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and challenged. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman is your connection to women nationally, internationally, and globally. So get comfy and see what the buzz is all about. Find out more at www.sellinginaskirt.com. Now, your host, Judy Hoberman, on C-Suite Radio. Can you lead without a title, or because you have a title, are you automatically a leader? That's a big question and an interesting conversation. Now, I wonder how many of you feel that you're not a leader because you don't have that leader's title. Is it a manager, director, president, or CEO that you think you need to be a leader? Well, to start off, you don't need a title to be a leader. And simply having a title won't make you one. Some people have titles and some of them don't. But when it comes to being a leader, titles really don't matter. Everyone has the opportunity to lead every single day. Anyone at any level can learn to be a leader and help to shape or influence the world around them. But what does that look like? Do you shape your own life and career? Do you affect the quality of others' experience? Do you inspire or influence others? Do you work to achieve specific goals by working with or coordinating the efforts of others? Well, if you answered yes to any of those questions, whether you realize it or not, you are a leader. Leadership means you have a positive influence. So let's talk about some of the characteristics of great leaders. The first is listen more than you speak. Now, this is something that's easy to understand, and sometimes it's so difficult to do. Show someone that you're interested in them, not interesting to them. Ask open-ended questions and listen to their responses very carefully, because you'll hear some very important information that they'll share in their answers. You probably will hear their why, why they're working in your company or on your team. When you prefer to do all the talking, you're going to miss some great information and opportunities. So the second one is, do what you say you'll do. You know the old saying, under promise and over deliver? 
Well, that's what's going to happen right here. If you promise to do something, do it. If you can't do it, don't say you will. People will respect you if you follow your word and will understand if you let them know why it just can't happen. And as a leader, you need to earn respect. It isn't given to you because you're a position of leadership or you have a title. It's earned. The next is focus on helping. Lead with your team in mind. Now, you're not in competition with your team. You should not be more interested in managing up than managing down. You're making sure that what your team needs is is what you bring to the table. This is something that also brings up that next characteristic, being a servant leader. Now, a servant leader shares power, puts the needs of their employees or team members first, and helps people develop and perform as highly as possible. So here are some tenets of servant leadership. Lead by example and respect others. Don't expect anyone to work harder than you. Make sure that you teach everyone the work that they need to do to get the experience with some of your brilliance. You don't have to do a brain dump because a little can do a long way. Inspire. Everyone benefits from being inspired and motivated. Find out what people need to keep them moving in the right direction and help them access it. Respect is earned and it goes both ways. Mentor. Think about what you wanted when you were coming through the ranks or decided to open your business. Share your experience and your expertise. Hold your mentee accountable, but make sure you love them when they need it. And serve. Your success is dependent on your actions. When you consistently serve others with your product, your service, your knowledge, or experience, you'll take your business to another level. You'll attract the right people to work with you, and they'll become raving fans. And who wouldn't want to be around a business or a person who thinks more about others than they do about themselves? You know, we always hear that someone is a born leader, but that isn't the truth. Leaders learn how to lead. The real test of leadership is, if you had no title, no ability to reward or penalize others, could you still get them to follow you? People don't follow just anyone. As a leader, you must give them a good reason to follow you. Many times people are placed into leadership roles and expect their team to follow them simply because they have the title, but it doesn't work that way, at least not with deep lasting success. As Margaret Thatcher said, being a leader is like being a lady. If you have to remind people you are, you aren't. We're going to take a break and thank our sponsor, Walking on the Glass Floor. But when we come back, you're going to hear from my guest who will share her thoughts about being a leader with or without a title. This is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio, and we will be right back. What happens after shattering the glass ceiling? You're now walking on the glass floor. Walking on the Glass Floor, Seven Essential Qualities for Women Who Lead is a timely and indispensable business guide for all women, whether you're moving out of a dorm room or moving into an executive suite. Introducing readers to the seven keys to success in business and life, Judy Hoberman brings her fresh voice, sales savvy, and thoughtful approach to each of the essential and most powerful leadership qualities. Written in her trademark no-nonsense glass half-full prose, Judy's blueprint for business teaches all women how to cultivate and strengthen key skills that will serve them in both business and life. Uncover amazing qualities they already possess that will help them lead and succeed and harness universal leadership qualities to continue reaching their full potential. By providing authentic real-life case studies and inspiring quotes throughout, Judy fills each page with the timely advice women need right now. Walking on the glass floor is like having Judy Hoberman sitting right next to you as your business mentor, personal life coach, and best friend all at the same time. You can order your own copy of the book at walkingontheglassfloor.com. 
Welcome back to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. It's time for my very special guest, Tammy Guns. Tammy has extensive corporate industry experience in auditing, business valuations, business development, and healthcare operations for the past 25 years. She started a successful healthcare consulting company with a national footprint of customers. She served on two different board of directors and has published two award-winning books. She's known as an engaging and informative keynote speaker on the topics of stress, successfully navigating change, and how to stop a lifetime of seemingly insignificant decision-making that negatively impacts health. So welcome to the show, Tammy. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. So let's start with the discussion of the day. Leading, is it more than with a title, without a title? Do you have to have a title? What do you think when you hear that? Absolutely. I think that leading is more of a philosophy and it's not associated with a title. In your introduction, you actually were listing some great qualities of leaders that certainly have been known throughout time of characteristics of great leaders. However, to me, it has nothing to do with the title because as you also indicated, that sometimes people can get put into positions, into manager roles and and leadership roles, and just assume people are going to follow them because of the title. And that's not at all how it works. It really has to do far more with a a philosophy than just simply a title. Okay. So can you be a great leader without the title and still have people follow you, even though they may not say, well, This is who I report to. And on the other side, is it considered just because you have a title, I need to respect you? And I know that, you know, you're saying that you don't really need a title, but there's there's more to it than that. Because I know for a fact when I was in a position of authority, I was in a leadership position, I wasn't C, I was right under the C. So I was E, I was executive. And I remember people saying to me, Well, I don't really have to listen to what you say because I can go right above you and do what they say, even though I had that position and even though everybody followed me. And it was very frustrating to me. Okay, so you bring up a great point. Absolutely. I think that people can follow people. It's it's more it goes deeper than that. I think it runs a lot deeper. And yes, when you have like direct reporting relationships or you have dotted line relationships, sometimes in very matricied organizations. People will say things like, yes, I don't don't report to you. Therefore, you try to collaborate on projects, things like that. But ultimately, they're looking at, well, who's actually going to be doing my annual review? However, I really believe that people will follow others within an organization when they respect them or they like them. There's a likability factor there as well. Like when you look at a leader such as Mother Teresa, she certainly didn't have a title and yet she gained a lot of followers because she had great passion for the work that she did. Or, you know, you have Martin Luther King Jr. He did not have a title as well. He assumed a leadership role based on a great passion and a great mission and vision for what he wanted, not to have racial inequality. So when you look at organizations, there sometimes is that I don't report to you. So therefore, you know, I'm not going to view you as as a leader. However, I see more in corporate America today, you've got a lot of projects and collaboration that has to happen across the company. And so people will follow those that they respect, or like I said, people that they like. Absolutely. Okay. So where does influence really come in? You know, some people say, I want to be an influencer. All I want to do is influence people. So here's a two-parter. Where does it come in? But the second part is, do you have to say, I'm an influencer? It's like saying, I'm authentic, or saying, I'm telling the truth. Do you need to say that? 
Absolutely not. I think, in fact, when you say it, you're almost taking away Mm. from the fact that you're an influencer. I think, again, people will innately follow those that they respect, those that they like, those that they believe in. And so I think you get that natural organic, especially as an influencer, you're going to have that. It's going to happen more organically. Okay. So when I ask people what they have the most difficulty with as a leader, it's generally making decisions. And we all know that not all decisions are easy, and many of them are definitely not popular. Plus, not making a decision is still a decision. So why is making a decision so hard to do? Is it because we don't want to look foolish? Or I I can never understand why somebody doesn't make a decision. And yet, sometimes when somebody says to me, what do you want for dinner? I'll say, I don't care, but it's not true because I'm a vegetarian. So I, I do care. But I, you know, sometimes it's more about the conflict. You, know, you don't want to cause conflict. But why do you think it, making a decision is so difficult? A couple of reasons. One is because you cut off all other paths. And so when you make a decision to do one thing, you're saying, this is my preferred path of going down. So therefore, if you're saying, let's go and do A, now you're not going to be doing B, C, or D. So I think a lot of times people will have a difficulty in making a decision because you really are saying this is the best method and this is the best way to go. And so when you're cutting off all other decisions and all other paths, it seems more terminal. Okay. So you talk about a teenage brain, and that has a lot to do with this part of this conversation, decisions. So what is a teenage brain? Great question. (laughs) Well, I work in healthcare and I've worked in healthcare for many, many years. And when I talk about people having a teenage brain is that teenagers are very in the moment. And so we know that their frontal lobe of their cerebral cortex is not fully developed. And so they sometimes will make decisions not having a higher order thinking skills in order. And so they'll make decisions based on what is the best thing in the moment without looking at the long-term repercussions of those decisions. Well, that I believe we do a lot as adults when it comes to our life and it comes to our health is we make hundreds, if not thousands of decisions literally all day long. And so when we use the teenage brain, all we do is look at the immediate satisfaction of that decision without looking at the long-term results of it. So someone could say, oh, right now it sounds really good for me to have a brownie. Of course. I mean, right, that sounds delicious. Everybody likes brownies. But the thing is, is if you continue to make those decisions again and again, you're not looking at the long-term repercussions. And when I look at healthcare, I'm not a clinician. So my impact within the healthcare arena was looking at how can I help people? You know, they're showing up into our healthcare system with chronic disease. And chronic disease does not develop overnight. It is something that develops with a multitude of lifetime decisions that seemed insignificant at the moment. It's just one drink. It's just one cigarette. Mm. It's just one brownie. But over a lifetime, it adds up to debilitating disease or chronic disease. These types of decisions that we have to look at in aggregate instead of in isolation. Interesting. So what does it mean to be the CEO of your health? It really means to take charge. And so CEOs are ultimately responsible for the success, you know, or the failure of an organization. And so when you're the CEO, you're saying, this is it. Like, I am the one who's responsible for my own health. And I I don't want people to ever think it's about placing blame because it's really about mitigating risk. And CEOs will not fly blind. 
A CEO will not, will say, you know, you cannot manage what you do not measure. Therefore, they would start to measure things like, well, wait a minute, how many times did I exercise this week? You know, if you decide, oh, I don't want to go to the gym today. Okay, that seems insignificant. However, but then you don't go tomorrow and then you don't go the next day. Again, all of a sudden, in aggregate, these decisions become significant, even though in isolation, they're insignificant. So a CEO would not continue to fly blind. They would start to say, you need to manage these things by measuring them. You know, an airplane is actually off course 99% of the time. So how is it that an airplane ever reaches its destination? And it's because it has a constant feedback loop. So that constant feedback loop is keeping it on its course. And so we can do that in our own lives. When we take charge and we have a constant feedback loop, we can then look at where am I on course and where am I off course. You know, it's interesting. My very first business coach told me her entire business changed when she became the CEO of her company. She was the only person in the company, but she was the CEO instead of the worker bee. And when she became the CEO, it's basically what you're saying. She was in charge of everything. She wanted to make sure that she wasn't flying blind and that she was in charge of revenue. And if you're in charge of revenue, you're in charge of your business. And once she got that mindset, it was a very different experience for her. And that's when her business just went through the roof. Absolutely. I believe that 100% because it is a mindset. And so when you feel like this is it, the buck stops here, I'm the one responsible for this. You do have a different way and a different way of uh, approaching and looking at things. So where does stress fit into that? Because as the CEO, you know, it's, you know, it's a stressful position. It could be an awesome position. You could be making gazillions of dollars, but there's always stress involved. So where does that come into play and how does that affect us, especially with our health? Stress can impact all sorts of people in, in different ways. And it's in managing it, it's really, again, goes back to mindset mm-hmm. in that some people could have what would be perceived as an incredibly stressful job or career, and yet they manage it quite fine. And then others, you would think, well, it would appear that they would have a lower level of stress, and yet they're not functioning well or at the highest level of that they can. It has to do with a lot of it, I believe, is self-talk, the way that we talk to ourselves. In fact, I always say that we have with us 24-7 all the time, our own self-talk. And if the self-talk, the person talking to me all the time and, and coaching me, were not inside of my head, but were actually sitting next to me on the couch, and she talked to me the way I talked to me, I would probably tell her to get up and walk out the door. That's right. <laughs> and never speak to me again. However, because this voice inside of your head, it's really meant to originally to keep us safe and to help us, you know, like don't cross the street, don't touch that hot stove. But the voice inside of our head actually can be the loudest when we're trying to expand into, you know, being the biggest, best, brightest self that we can be, because you're going into an area of uncertainty and unknown. And that's, of course, scary for the human psyche anytime it's something new. But in order to be your best, you're always having to expand, which means you're always going into the unknown. So I believe people can manage stress. A lot of it has to do with our own self-talk. Stop judging, stop criticizing, you know, and having more of a balance between accountability and also grace. There's other things that you can do. So certainly a lot of people know, you know, you can uh, go on a walk or, or take a bubble bath, or there's lots of things that you can do once your stress is already at that higher level to mitigate it. However, if there's, you know, there's things we can do ahead of time, you know, keeping lists, being able to check things off so that you feel like you're accomplishing things. I think there's lots of ways to manage stress in our own lives 
in order to be successful. Now, tell us about good stress, though. What does good stress do for you? Because there is good stress. You know, everybody thinks, well, stress is so negative and, oh, my God, I'm so stressed out. But, you know, sometimes it's, stress is good. And I don't know if it's healthy or not, but it's definitely a good kind of stress. Absolutely. It's a motivator. I really believe it's a motivator. It, again, if it's balanced, right? When it's out of control, you could absolutely be stifled into complete inactivity or being frozen. Like, I don't know what to do next. But yes, I think there is a level of good stress that the energy and the exhilaration when you're close to getting something done or, yeah, absolutely. I think there is good stress for me, especially when I have, I, I mean, I notice even when it go back to college, the semester, my very first freshman year of college, I decided, oh, well, if college is going to be difficult. I better not work. I better not do things. And all I did was go to school that semester. And that was actually the, the year that I had the worst grades possible. Because the other years when I had a job, I had to be very organized. Mm. Oh, I need, I work Monday night, but I have a test Tuesday. That means now I got to study on Sunday. Whereas, you know, before I would have probably waited till Monday and I would have, you know, probably wasted a lot of time on Sunday. So I think it actually does help you get organized when you have stress and you have deadlines you have to meet. Yeah, I totally agree. And a lot of people do really well under, under stress and pressure. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I know you did a TED Talk and I'm very proud of you because as I said before, it is a very humbling experience whether you are a professional speaker or not. So congratulations on that. And it was the talk about what we're discussing that the best healthcare system starts with you. How was the experience for you? And do you think that you gave your audience something that they could take away with, with them from the talk that you really do believe changed their lives? Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I mean, it, it really, it was humbling. It was incredibly humbling because they have a particular format yep. um, <laughs> and, you know, from a time perspective. I'm used to, as a speaker, I do, in fact, I just did a talk last week in Dallas, Texas, and it was an hour long talk. And so you have plenty of time to bring in lots of examples or to make sure that you're really getting your point across. Actually, one of my college degrees is in education, so I'm very big in making sure there's learning objectives and that people understand the content that's being presented. And so you have to sometimes present the same information in multiple different ways to appeal to all of the learners in your audience. Whereas when you're doing a TED Talk, you have, I think my talk, they really wanted it in less than 15 minutes, even though the TED organization is 18. They want to make sure nobody went over. And so you have to be very, very particular in making sure that you hit your point and you hit it well in such a limited amount of time. Again, you just we were just talking about the high level of stress. It actually motivated me to go over it again and again and again to make sure I was hitting on the point I wanted to get across, which is for people to really take charge of their life, take charge of their own health. We don't want to abdicate that responsibility to others. You, you know, as much as we love our doctors and our nurses, we don't want to abdicate the responsibility for our own health to our doctor or to a nurse. Instead, if people can look at their day-to-day -day decisions and they can start to mitigate risk in their life, hopefully they won't end up with chronic disease. I did have a lot of positive feedback. I've had people contact me from around the world because of my TED Talk. So it has made me feel very good as though I am helping to contribute to people's health, even though I'm not a clinician. I'm not the doctor. I'm not the nurse. Mm, interesting. I can vouch for exactly what you're saying, because one of the things that was difficult for me on the TED Talk was you have to stand in one place. 
because Practice. because they video you. So you're in this red circle. And all I kept thinking was, oh my God, I can't even walk. <laughs> so yeah, but it's a, it's a wonderful experience. And yeah, I, I loved it. And now people say, are you going to do another? I'm like, nope, checked it off my list. I'm done. Uh-huh. You're right. Uh-huh. So tell us about your business. Tell us what you do every day. And I'm sure it's different every single day, but tell us about it. It is very different because there's a couple of lines of business that I do. So definitely I do healthcare consulting, which is I work with large healthcare systems that have multi-specialty practices. So they employ physicians. And that's my area of expertise is working with physician partners to be able to provide the best care possible efficiently and cost-effectively in emergency departments or even pre-hospital settings such as ambulances and life flight. I also do inpatient services for hospitalist medicine or if people end up in the ICU. That's part of my healthcare consulting. And then I also do, as you mentioned, speaking. So I go across the country and I speak to either conferences or I'll speak to organizations when they're doing employee training. And then I also do it as an executive advisor, I will work with people individually if they're wanting extra help or attention in any of the areas of their life where they need some additional coaching. So those are the things that I do. And it's different every day. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, you talk about making decisions and you talk about stress and you talk about all these great things about being a leader. Have you ever had to fire a client? You know, okay, that's a great question. I have not, although I'm pretty selective in who I work with. Now, there have been some contracts that they've wanted me to stay on longer and I made the decision not to. So, I mean, it's not really firing the client, but I did make a decision to move on to other projects. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's, it's interesting. I think I find everything as challenging and unique and what can I learn from this? And as long as it's positive, you know, it's a win-win for them and for my organization, I don't mind, you know, continuing that relationship. But yes, they're you know, you certainly don't want to work in a, in a situation where it's draining you energetically. Right. And the reason I ask is because you do the things that I, I, I do the same things in, you know, my market are women and women in leadership and your healthcare. And so I do a lot with healthcare as well, but the women in healthcare. And it's very interesting because there are always people, and I'm not saying healthcare, but in the groups of people that have asked me to coach them or train them or whatever, there's a person that you just, as you meet them, you take a step backwards because the energy isn't there. And so I haven't had to fire anybody that I've actually signed a contract with, but I've also decided not to take on a client because I just felt like the energy was not right. Right. And then it doesn't serve either party because it's draining you energetically. And then they're not certainly, you know, learning from what you have to be able to, you know, help them or provide. I agree with you. Look, there's 7 billion people on the planet. We don't get along with everybody. I mean, it just, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Except if you're the type of person that says, I want everybody to like me. <laughs> yeah. So how can our listeners connect with you and find out more about what you're doing and, and everything? One of the best ways to connect with me is actually on LinkedIn. And I do go by my full name, which is Tammy Lynn Guns. Actually, I, I was connected on LinkedIn and that's how I actually ended up doing a conference in Rome, Italy. And I've done some writing for different magazines. People have been connecting with me on LinkedIn. I also have a website, which is www.tamilynguns.com. 
they can also, people can reach me directly by my email, which again is my name. It's just TammyLynnGuns at gmail.com. Awesome. So what's the best advice you can share with women in leadership positions? I would say to always be authentic to who you are, because when you get up and you are in alignment with what you believe in, it is so much easier to face obstacles, to face challenges, and not to be afraid to pivot when you are in a situation that does not feel authentic and you're never stuck anywhere. You can always pivot and move and change. Absolutely. Well, I love that. Well, Tammy, I want to thank you so much for sharing the mic with me. You've got such great information. You are a wealth of information, and I'm excited to stay connected with you and create some adventures together. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being on your show. Thank you. And I want to leave everyone with this quote from John Quincy Adams. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. I thank you all for listening to our discussion where we share some extraordinary guests, some ideas for your business, and ways to stand out as the amazing women that you are. Now make sure you stay connected with us and remember, women want to be treated equally, not identically. Until next time, this is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.